Let's turn this morning to Proverbs chapter 28. So as seems like oft times happens, I work on a sermon for the week, and then it gets changed. And that's what happened this morning, because I'm reading through the book of Proverbs, and I'm on Proverbs chapter 28, and it just starts with a verse which always just really grabs my attention. And so I got thinking about it, focusing on it, and it just spoke to my heart as far as a need for me, and I think a need for most believers in Yeshua, Christian, and Messianic. Uh, and that is this idea of boldness. And I want to focus in on that this week. We're going to look at uh, just some different things in relation to boldness, verses, examples, illustrations, passages. So, um, I don't know, to me it's exciting because, I mean, one of the things I, I do honestly think we struggle with as believers because we're really, in our own minds anyway, we know we're already outcasts. We're no, we know that we, we stick out because we're different. Our beliefs are different. Uh, you know, we live our life based upon the, the truth of the Word of God. It's not situational. It doesn't change from generation to generation. We don't look to the world to figure out how we should <clears throat> live our life. And so, because the world oftentimes lives diametrically <coughs> opposed or in opposition to uh, what the Word of God is, we find ourselves in situations all the time in which something is said that just, you, you feel that <clears throat> something, you just feel that pang inside because it's, it's something that is, is not what the Scriptures teach, whether it's a lifestyle, whether it's words that are used, whether it's an ethical decision that is made, whether you know somebody's lying, you see somebody stealing, um, and, and you're all, as a group, say, in work, and you know something. We're put in these situations where I think we, we would want to say something if we had the boldness to say something and not really worry about what anybody thinks or worry if it really costs, might cost us our job. We've lived in America for so long, I think subliminally we've grown accustomed to the fact that we can be who and what we are, and it hasn't really cost us much. Now we're living at a point in time in which sin is so blatant, our society is so opposed to how we are, the people that we work with, even our bosses, their lives are not anything close to the scriptures. And so when they start manifesting, spewing, living out, talking out their life and, and all these things, I know for me as believers, I, as a believer at times I've just wanted to say, yes, but you know what? That is not what the Bible says. It's contrary to the Bible. It's sin. And, you know, mind you, with a good attitude, but I don't because... The ramifications, I might lose my job, might get somebody mad at me, I might, you know, get called before the boss because we're in such a politically correct environment that you can't say this, that, or the other thing. I think we, we need a boldness that we are going to speak for Yeshua, we will speak the word of truth, speaking the truth in love, as the Apostle Paul says, but nonetheless speaking the truth no matter what the cost, whether it's a family member that separates from us, whether it's a co-worker that 
separates from us, whether we get separated from our job, whether we're the only one, at least as we see it, we have to stand strong. But it's hard to stand alone. It's hard to speak out. You know, if, if when I was in Bible college, everybody's a strong Christian in Bible college. Man, we speak the truth. Yeah. Get outside. We're not quite as bold as we were in the confines of a majority that believes like we did. Get yourself out in the, in the confines of a majority that doesn't believe like you believe. Whoa. Then that's where the struggle comes in. I mean, there are oft times we get preached to in chapel and hear professors say stuff. And, you know, they live on campus. Their whole life is on campus. There's a gate around the campus. You know, I always said, yeah, I'd love to see you out in the world for five years. I want to see how then you are just such a wonderful Christian that can tell everybody else what they're doing wrong. It's, it's different when you're out in the dirt and dirty of the world. But that's what the Bible is. The Bible is our guidebook for bringing cleanliness to dirt, light to darkness, Truth to error. That's the point of our existence as believers. So, Proverbs 28, 1 says, The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are bold as a lion. All right, now, you have to just kind of talk to yourself today. The wicked are very bold, aren't they? I mean, the wicked are very bold. They don't hold back saying anything, really. doesn't matter. And because they're in the majority, and wickedness is really kind of ruling right now, there's basically, they're just very bold. I don't know how, on the, but this verse says that the righteous are bold as a lion. All right, so I have to ask myself, am I kind of, or am I, right? I think most of us are, you know, we want to come up and get close to the person and try to just do it all so right so that nobody gets mad at us. I don't lose a client. I don't get kicked off my job. Right? But the righteous are supposed to be as a lion. The wicked are. So let me see. Um, before, I'm going to preach everything before I get going. So... This, this is the thought that I want us to focus on. We are supposed to be, by default, bold as a lion. Are you? Are we? Am I? Now, in, in reading on this, because I, uh, you know, my mind goes off, I, I found this wonderful note by John Gill in his commentary, and I'm going to read it to you. Try to hang with me here. Don't wander off into La La Land. He says, The righteous are bold as a lion. A lion turns not away from any creature it meets with, nor mends its pace when it is pursued, but walks on intrepidly, and oft-times lies down and sleeps in open places, and as securely as in woods and dens, being devoid of all fear. Hence the heart of a valiant man is said to be as a heart of a lion. Courageous men are bold as a lion. Now, righteous men are, are as bold as this creature, or more, more so. 
Some of them have, so now he's using some examples. Some of them have stopped the mouths of lions and have dwelt securely in the midst of them. That's righteous Daniel. And all righteous men are, or may be, as fearless as the lion. Fear God they do, but have no reason to fear any other. And many of them are fearless of men, of, the, of their menaces and reproaches, or of anything that can do, the, do to them harm. I think I read that one. Yeah, and many of them are fearless of men, of their menaces and reproaches, or of anything they can do to them, since not only angels are their guardians, but God is on their side, and Christ has overcome the world for them. They are fearless of Satan and his principalities. They are delivered out of his hands. They know he, Satan, is a coward, though a roaring lion. And when resisted, he will flee from the thorn. Yea, that he is a chained, conquered enemy, Satan. And though they are afraid of committing sin, yet are fearless of the damning power of it. Christ hath bore their sins, made satisfaction for the multitude, for whose sake they are pardoned, and whose righteousness justifies and blood cleanses from all sin. They are fearless of death. Its sting is removed. It's abolished as a penal evil and become a blessing. Death. And is the righteous man's gain. They are fearless of wrath to come. Christ having delivered them from it, and they being justified by his blood, they are courageous as a lion in fighting the Lord's battles with sin, Satan, and the world, and enduring hardness as good soldiers of Christ, knowing their cause is good, that Christ is a captain of their salvation. Their spiritual armor is proved, and they are sure of victory and a crown. They are confident as a lion, as the word may be rendered. They are confident of the love of God, of their interest in Christ, of the grace of God in their hearts, and that all things work together for their good, and that it is and always will be well with them. Let things go how they will in the world, and so are secure. They are bold and undaunted, both before God and men, before God in prayer, knowing that uh, knowing him to be their covenant God in Christ, having in view the uh, the ministers, uh, wait a having in view the blood and righteousness of Christ, and be as, being assisted by His Spirit, and they are undaunted before men. If the righteous man is a minister of the word, he speaks it boldly, as it ought to be spoken. <laughs> this was good, fearing the faces of none. As he's preaching, knowing it to be the gospel of Christ, the truth as it is in them and the power of God to salvation. And if a private Christian, not in the ministry, he's a public professor of Christ. This word in ordinances, which he is not ashamed to own before all the world. In short, the righteous are bold in life and in death, and will be so in the day of judgment. And it is their righteousness which makes them so, from which they are denominated righteous meaning even not their own, but the righteousness of Christ. Now, I know that was a lot to take in, but isn't that good? I mean, that is it. And we live, I live, like a battery that's just about ready to, to quit. You know, rather than living in the power of the, of the supreme ever-ready battery. You know, I have... Triple A's in my flashlight that are just barely shining. 
Why? Because we have it backwards. The wicked are bold, and the righteous are wimps. We are the ones that flee when no man pursues. Because we've been, in our, for those of us that are saved, in our Christian existence and in the Messianic movement, we're just fed pablum. We're like the writer in Hebrews. It's time for you guys to just chow down on a good piece of steak, and I'm still sticking formula in your mouths. It's... Isn't it weird how it's always the same thing? You go back to the book of Hebrews, the guy said, I cannot believe we're back at ABC again. Where's the Z? You know, and so I'm, I'm yelling at myself because, you know, I have grown fearful. You know, the world since I've been saved in 73 and since I was born in 54, is, in our country, it's just gotten increasingly hostile to Christian beliefs and practices. And so I'm just challenging all of us. When you go to work Monday and that thing that said pricks your heart, we have to be the ones to start saying something and not be afraid. The righteous are as bold as a lion. We're not. I'm not, right? Now, I'm not saying be a stupid idiot in saying this stuff. And I'm not saying be condemnatory. You have to have your heart already bathed in the the word of God by the Holy Spirit so that when you speak the word, you speak in truth, and it's powerful in and of itself. And if people get mad, yes, they will get mad at us, but they're not getting mad at us, they're getting mad. We want to know in our own minds that they're not mad at us per se, they're mad at the word. Just like Yeshua said, if they hate me, uh, hate you, know that they already hated me before they hated you. So we have the contrast, the righteous, those in Messiah, the wicked, those who are not. Um, so, so why are there different dispositions here? Well, the wicked have only trust in themselves. The righteous have only trust in God. And this next thing I'm going to say is interesting because I forgot Gil said it. But the wicked appear bold, but when faced with a superior force, are cowards. We have the superior force. We are the superior force in Messiah. We have the truth. And, and the wicked, they appear to be very bold, but when faced with a superior force, are cowards. It's a front. In essence, it's like the rebellious child that's just uh, uh, acting out. Not because necessarily... It wants to be a rebellious child acting out. It's looking for somebody to stand up and make some boundaries. Well, that's what the world does. Their animosity, their hatred, as long as they can get away with it, then they're at least subconsciously telling themselves, there's nothing withstanding this, so I'm just going to keep going until I find something that does withstand this. Then I'll know what truth is. So when they test us or when things are said, even though they, they believe it and, and say it and practice it, because they're made in the image of God just like we were, 
They're looking for a parent that says, no, that behavior's wrong, and here's why. And nothing's going to change unless the parent decides to discipline the kid, if you understand my analogy. Nothing's going to change until the believer speaks out. Yeah, we can get together and sing all our wonderful Messianic songs and talk to ourselves, but this isn't about us here. We're not here to get our warm, fuzzy feeling. Although, yes, but no, we're here to get prepared to go out and do service and battle for the Lord. Amen. You know, we're so used to just all this feel-good crap in Christianity and the Messianic movement that once we get out in the world and our feelings are, are what we want them to be, we melt. Because we're feeling-oriented now in, the, in Christianity and the Messianic movement. It's all about feeling. Well, you get out in the world, you know what? Your feelings are going to get hurt. You're going to get hurt. And, whoa, and we're just like... Anyway. So... Okay, so, so uh, the wicked appear bold, but when forced with a superior force are cowards. The righteous, though meek and lowly, when faced with a superior force, are to be bold in their God. Yeah, we're supposed to be meek and lowly. We should appear to be meek and lowly. We should have a countenance about us that radiates, that guy's not a jerk. And so we, though meek and lowly, when faced with a superior force, we are to be bold. And, and so what made me think, what I thought about, well, all this, and don't turn, but 11, uh, Hebrews 11, 33 through 35. So I'm talking about the righteous, though meek and lowly, when force, faced with a superior force, are bold in their God. Some of us, and I'm not necessarily bold, my nature is not necessarily to be bold, although... I will be when I need to be and have to be. And I've not liked that about myself because I always think I should be already. But I find in the scriptures that's not necessarily how it always was. Hebrews 11. Those in faith, notice what they do, and, and there's a couple here that I'm, I'm going to point out. But notice this whole list. Those in faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge out, uh, escaped the edge of the sword. Now these next two, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. The uh, their women received their dead raised to life again. Then you hit. The next one, and others, those poor schmucks didn't get all this great stuff. Because that wasn't God's will for them. But I want you to notice, the righteous are as bold as a lion. Well, you might not be naturally bold. You might be struggling in the moment. And I have gotten down on myself because it's like, oh, Warren, you should already be bold. No. Hebrews 11 says, out of weakness, we're made strong, waxed valiant, in fight. God will supply us with the boldness that we need if we'll just be willing to be used by him in spite of our fears. Now, some examples about facing lions. I'm just going to tell you all of them. 
uh, and we're only going to turn to a couple of them. So, so, so examples. So I got thinking lions. You know, there's, I know lions are mentioned in the Bible. Well, David. What did David do? He killed two things. What? A lion and a bear. Bold as a lion. He was bolder than a lion, right? Daniel, what did he do? In the den of lions. Um, Samson, he killed a lion, right? Um, Now, just a couple that I want us to turn to. Go to 2 Samuel 23.20. And I just, I, I want to go to this one just because this guy, he, he deserves a mention now and then, all right? 2 Samuel 23. So we're talking about lions, all right? I, I like this. And uh, I can remember being at school, Dr. Ian Paisley came. Some of you know who Ian Paisley is. He preached on the verse that we're going to look at. So, so Second Samuel twenty three twenty, and Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man. That's so important. I'm learning from my, the men prior to me and my family were just wimps. I am stronger, but I'm not. I don't know that I would categorize myself as valiant. But I kind of want to be, but in Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, the, the son of a valiant man. We need to start developing some valiant men. We need men that are valiant. <laughs> so here he is, the son of a valiant man of Kabziel, who had done many acts. What did he do? He slew two lion-like men of Moab. And if that was enough... Why he did this, I don't know. He went down also and slew a lion in the midst of a pit in time of snow. (laughs) Who needs to know that? I think we need to know that because this thing of lions, there's a theme that I'm working towards here that I didn't really notice or put together till this morning as I was going through this. Like, woo. So, the righteous are as bold as a lion. Well, who do we look to? Who can we model our lives after like this? David, Daniel, Samson, don't want to necessarily be like Samson, but he did what he needed to do. You got this guy, Benaiah. He kills two lions like men just for the fun of it. He just decides to hop down a pit and slide. You know, I'd be walking, there's that lion in the pit. Oh, hey, you know, waving at you, goodbye. Kills the thing. In the snow. Um, we don't have to turn to this one. Revelation 5 5. Keeping with the lion thing. Yeshua is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He was bold as a lion, wasn't he? In his ministry. Went in there, overturned the table of the money changers. He just let the Pharisees have it. He looked like a maniac. Sounded like a maniac. Probably was diagnosed as a maniac. They would have him on medication. He's out of control. <laughs> All right, so the last one here. But so turn to First Peter five. Now, why do we no- need to know this stuff? You know, why do we need to know that the righteous are bold as a lion? Why do we have examples in the Bible that show us you can defeat lions? Why is Yeshua referred to as the lion of the tribe of Judah? 
Well, why do we need to know this? Is it just cool? This guy went down to kill a lion. If you go to First Peter 5, starting at uh, verse 5, I love these verses. If you haven't committed in a memory, you should. First Peter 5. Uh, 5. First Peter 5. Verse 5. Yeah, there is. First Peter 5. You're probably in 2 Peter, maybe. Oh. Okay, First Peter 5. <laughs> Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. So this is what I'm talking about. We're supposed to be meek and lowly, okay? All right. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions, they're not delivered from afflictions, they're in afflictions, are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. We've already seen. We have Yeshua, the lion of the tribe of Judah. We've seen examples of humans slaying lions. Well, our adversary is a lion. He's a roaring lion. And we need to know that because we are the righteous, we've already been made victorious over Satan. Though we might have to suffer affliction for standing for Yeshua, we must stand and speak out. And though we might not be in the first half of Hebrews 11 where all those good things happen, and we might end up in the caves and dens and be the off-scouring of the world and clothed with uh, whatever they were clothed with, the problem is we don't want to be those people. But God has those people. And we need to be willing to be either on... Side A of Hebrews 11 or side B of Hebrews 11. And I think because we fear the second half of Hebrews 11, we protect ourselves and don't make ourselves vulnerable because we don't want to be kicked out living in caves. Can you imagine that? Man, I can't, I don't know how to deal with that. I, you stand out for Yeshua, you speak out for Him, preach the Word of God, and you are ostracized, kicked out, you lose your home, and now you're living in a cave with your kids. Are we willing, able God, to, to, to go through that? I'm not. That's because we are wimps. Because we've been fed pablum in our Christian teaching, really since... Westcott and Hort, quite frankly. I hate to say it, back to the 1800s. All right, now, I want us to look at some verses. And I want you to turn with me, just because these are some cool verses on, on lions. All right, uh, go first to Ecclesiastes, <clears throat> chapter 8. I'm, I'm hopefully not going to say anything if or not much on these verses. I just want you to see... All these verses that, that fit the context of what we're talking about. So, uh, Ecclesiastes 8.1. Who is as the wise man? And who knoweth the interpretation of a thing? A man's wisdom maketh his face to shine, and the boldness of his face shall be changed. When you know you're right with God, you will be bold. Now... 
The truth is, we're righteous in Messiah, and we always have to see that. Because there's not a one of us here that's not a sinful mess at times and living in disobedience to God and, and messing around with what we shouldn't be. And because we know ourselves and we're honest with ourselves, I think that sometimes zaps us of the, the boldness that should shine forth in our face because we know we're not what we should be. But that's the wrong way to look at it. There's not one human believer that's ever lived outside of Yeshua that at any moment in time could just stand Bold in his strength because, yeah, I'm really right with God. No, you will never be that right. How can we still be bold knowing ourselves? Because we're clothed in the righteousness of Messiah. And that's why we draw our wisdom from him, and that boldness should shine forth in our faces. We should have the face of lions. That people should know we're somebody not to be messed with. If a lion came walking through the door right now, do you think we'd run up there and go to pet him? Not initially, because we know he's something to not mess with. Why? He's just being a lion. It's his nature to be a lion. We don't expect him to be any different. It'd be nice if he came up and purred and rubbed on our legs. But that might not happen. Our nature, our new nature, this is why salvation is so important and new birth is so important. Our new nature in us now should automatically be what we're supposed to be. Bold as a lion. In other words, we should be living according to our new nature. The lion lives according to its nature. The bear lives according to its nature. They don't sit around in introspection like I and others do and say, oh, oh, poor, I'm a lion, oh, no. No, they live according to the nature God put in them. That's why the new birth is so important. That's why we are made new creatures in Messiah so that now we can live in our Faces have a boldness about it. They know we're something not to be messed with. All right. Hopefully I'll do better on the rest. Mark chapter 15. But am, am I touching anybody here? Yeah. All right. Mark 15. So here we have Joseph of, Amer uh, Joseph of Arimathea. And I'm just going to read it because you'll see it. Verse 42, 1542. And now when the even was come, because it was a preparation, that is, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, an honorable counselor, which also waited for the kingdom of God, came and went in boldly. He went in boldly into Pilate. How many of us would have gone to, Pil uh, gone to Pilate at a time like this? So he went... Boldly on the pilot and craved the body of Yeshua. You know, the other disciples, they've already scattered. They've run. All right, another one. Um, okay, so several. Acts. Acts is like, you know, the cornucopia of, of what I'm talking about here. You know, I was thinking, I don't know if this is true, but boy, I tell you what, book of Acts, you start at boldness. You get to Revelation, you're just a mess. I, I'm, you know what, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. You're lukewarm. You know, it's an entropy affects Christianity, right? I mean, 
I, I would like to think that we're getting better and stronger as believers in Yeshua, but I think we're going downhill. So, uh, where am I? Okay, so Acts chapter 4. And let's just, I'm going to try to be quick. So, 4. Uh, I won't even give you the context, you can figure it out. I just want you to see. Now when they saw, the people saw, the persecutors saw, the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned, ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Yeshua. Uh, verse 29. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. 31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. You know what? It's okay to pray for boldness. And you're going to need a special unction from the Holy Spirit momentarily in that situation to be that bold. All right, chapter 9. 27. And Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had preached to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Yeshua. And he was with them coming in and going out at Jerusalem. And he spake boldly in the name of the Lord Yeshua and disputed against the Grecians. But they went about to slay him. See, we don't like the last part of that verse. We want to speak boldly, but please don't hurt me. Please like me still. Don't get mad at me. Right? Okay. Uh, chapter 13. Verse 44. So I'm wanting you to see how this theme is carried out. All right. All right. 13. Where am I? 44. And then uh, in the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. blaspheming. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold. See, it's at that moment. And said it was necessary. And then he goes on. But they waxed bold in that moment. Uh, chapter 18 of Acts 24. All right, 1824. Uh, and a certain Jew named Apollos, let me make sure I have the right verses here. Yes. Uh, and a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man, and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. The man was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. And he began to speak boldly, in the synagogue. This is great stuff. Chapter 19. Verse 8. Uh, and again, I'm not getting to it. Uh, well, and when Paul, verse 6, and when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came upon them, and they spake with other tongues and prophesied, and all the men were about twelve. And he went into the synagogue and spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. But when divers were hearted and believed not, but spake evil of the way before the multitude, he departed from them and separated them, and, go, and the story goes on. Okay, this theme of speaking boldly. Just a couple more. Ephesians 
chapter 6. Starting at verse 18. You know, this is, this is the, on the heels of, you know, we, we need to stand against the wiles of the devil, verse 11. You know, he's a roaring lion, we've already seen. We're not wrestling with flesh and blood, it's principalities. We need to remember that. So verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints and for me that utterance may be given unto me. So you can ask people to pray that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. I find that interesting. Paul's saying, I can't put too much into his mouth, but you can almost, you know, if he's asking that he will have the boldness to speak and he's wanting people to pray for him, I, I have to think he may have, might have struggled a little bit with this too. So, we're supposed to be bold as a lion. We have some great examples to show us what that means. There's this theme of being bold throughout the scriptures, all the way to Revelation when we find out that Yeshua, we know, but it says Yeshua is a, a lion of the tribe of Judah. We're facing an adversary who's a roaring lion. So, I want to end with just a couple things. Turn to 2 Timothy. I think what we have to realize and perhaps accept, which might not be pleasant, is that a lack of boldness is really a spirit of fear. We're afraid. And the starting point of getting beyond anything is acknowledging to yourself, to whatever degree, what's there. So Paul writes to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Evidently, Timothy needed to be encouraged because his disposition, it appears, he was predisposed for whatever reason. And it might be because, you know, he knows the Apostle Paul is kind of on the way out. He's been his mentor, the guy he's hung with, his source of strength, humanly speaking. Now, you know, Paul is kind of on his way out, and Timothy's thinking, you know. So Paul's trying to encourage him. I don't know that this is so much a rebuke as an encouragement. Timothy, listen, don't give into that. If you have a fearful spirit, rest assured it's not from God. So if it's not from God, it's from Satan, and Satan knows how to push the buttons in our lives. He knows where to get us. He's an expert marksman as he sends those flaming darts at us. He, he knows where to get us, how to get us, when to get us. So, Timothy... God has not given you a spirit of fear. <laughs> well, fear paralyzes us. But what has God given us? He's given us a spirit of power and love and of a sound mind. And I don't want to get into the whole aspect and necessity of what goes on in our heads. Um, turn up to Jude. So I'm concluding here. So we have to acknowledge that 
A lack of boldness is a spirit of fear, that this spirit of fear is not of God, it's from the enemy, he, he's attacking. All right, now, kind of building and going on that. In, in uh, let me get to it, Jude, verse 3, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith. We have to understand that standing for the faith is a contentious thing. It's going to bring contention. There will be, it's, I can't get the word right, but it, it's whatever I'm trying to say. There's going to be tension there. It's going to bring contention. We have to contend. I mean, he could have used any word, but he's trying to get us to have a proper mindset. God's given us a spirit of a sound mind. The beginning of that is to realize we're, we're in a battle. We're going to go out to those that might not be receptive, and we are going to have to contend. It's bad enough we have to contend for the faith out there. We have to contend for the faith amongst our own anymore. Well, anymore. Since, since, you know, since the beginning. We have to just get our minds set for the fact that we have to contend. We have to contend. Go back to the book of Proverbs, chapter 28, and this is where we end. I'll wrap it up maybe with a few thoughts. Proverbs 28. All right, so, you know, I told you I went through Proverbs and I underlined all the the words in red that where it's Torah. Well, this is one of those verses the Torah is used twice in verse 4 of Proverbs 28. They that forsake the Torah praise the wicked. Right? So the line's clearly drawn. Somebody has an opposition to the Torah, they're wicked, and they will praise the wicked, and that's what happens. All right, now, the second part, though. But such as keep the Torah, keep their mouth shut, try to be nice, work friendly with them. No, right? But such as keep the law, contend with. I, I wish I could tell you differently, but we are to be set for the defense of the gospel, just like the Apostle Paul said he was. We were told by Yeshua that the world's going to hate us. We're told that beware when all men speak well of you. So what do we tend to do? Try to get the world to speak well of us, to get the world to love us, and to only be set to tell everybody just the good things. Does that sound like where we live now? Christianity and the Messianic movement. Now, did you read my latest blog, one of my latest blogs, how I'm done with the Messianic and Christianity? You ought to go back and read I'll, it. I'll check it out. Yeah, there's a couple. <sighs> Folks, I, I have no allegiance to anything anymore other than my God, my wife. And we'll throw my family in there. But I really, God being my helper, I have no allegiance to anything. David said, whom have I on 
heaven but you, or on earth, or whatever. I forget how he says it. But basically he says, when you get right down to it, all you have is God. <laughs> all you have is God. Even Yeshua, with all that he did, gets to the cross and... Man, they're scattering all over the place. You know? So I, have, I, I align myself with nothing anymore. And like I said in my blog, and don't want to ruin it for Fred, but the three areas in which I've you know, had the group mentality... No more group mentality! No more! Yeshua said, you will be hated of all men for my sake. What is that? No group mentality. All men. So, we have to be willing to contend for the faith. Now, with all that said... You know, the preacher always sounds so dynamic preaching it. I'm going to tell you right here now, I'm going to fail at this. I will do exactly what I just preached I should not do. You will too. But we have to understand that God does know. That we are not the first to keep our mouth shut when we know we should speak. It's a plague of all of God's people. So when you find yourself closing down and keeping your mouth shut when you know you should speak the truth in love rather than beat yourself up, get on with God, confess that, say, God, listen, here we go. We're going to make baby steps. You know, we don't have to eat the steak right away. But we got to get off the pablum. So let's start in little ways to speak up and out for our Savior and the truth of God's Word. Start small. You know, ask God for opportunities to speak the truth in love. And God will do that. You know, you can ask God to bring about those circumstances and situations so that you know that for sure God really does want you to say something because you haven't manipulated a circumstance so that you can say what you want to say, but you just found yourself minding your own business, just tooling around, and, oh man, here it is. Well, I just prayed for this, didn't I? Yes, okay. That becomes your opportunity to insert the truth. The world has inserted a virus into the system. We are the antidote. The patient is going to die, it's dying, but we want to save some of it. We are the antidote, and the longer we wait, the harder it is for the antidote to work. And all things are possible with God, but I think entropy among God's people is going to have to set in. It just does. It's just no... For the end to come, he's pulling out a remnant. But the, the rest that are pseudo-believers, not believers, who claim to be believers but apostatized, a lot of chaff is going to get separated from the wheat in the end here. And what is known as Christianity... It's going to be seen for what it is, and we need to be willing to already be pulled out of that.
and, and the Messianic movement. I'm, I'm not saying we're in any better shape than anybody else. As a matter of fact, I think we have as many unsaved people in the Messianic movement, if not more so proportionately, than there are in Christian churches. I told you, uh, uh, the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, R.G. Lee, back in his day, whenever that was, 30s, 40s, 50s, I don't know, talking to the Southern Baptist Convention at some meeting, he said he feared that 50% of those that made up the Southern Baptist Convention were lost. He said that. That's something a crazy nut like I would say. R.G. Lee, very, uh, if, uh, if I'm thinking of the same guy that was president of the Southern Baptist Convention, 50%. That was back then. So, all right, I'll wrap this up. So, what did I talk about today? One word, begins with B. Boldness. Boldness. All right, we are to be bold as a? Lion. Because we draw strength upon ourselves, but on Yeshua, the Lion of the tribe of Judah. How do we do it? In our own righteousness? No. How do we be bold in spite of ourselves? Because of the imputed righteousness that is ours in Messiah. I, Paul said, can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let's pray. So, Father, thank you for your word. Ah, just taking me, I guess, to the woodshed again. I mean, I speak this because it's a need I have. But I think it's a need that is systemic to all of your people, even going back to the followers of Yeshua that, forsake, that forsook him left him. We struggle with this. And Satan knows that it's, it's, it's a weakness in all of us. Just like Timothy. But we can do all things through you if we'll just allow you to strengthen us. In Yeshua's name, amen. Amen.